0: Everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast, Decoding Dating. With me are my fellow podcasters, Zach, Emmy, and Sam. In this episode, we are going to focus on the privacy aspect of dating apps. So let's begin.
1: Awesome. Uh, well, Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about what makes privacy particularly important in dating apps?
0: In general, privacy is a global concern due to the increasing complexity of connected environments and the parallelly increasing sophistication in cyber threats. But what makes privacy crucial for dating apps is due to the presence of sensitive and personal data, such as photos, age, location, sexual history, preferences, messages, and more.
2: Well, and I came across an article recently that said data breaches in dating apps are rapidly increasing in recent years. Is that really true?
0: Well, unfortunately, yes. During my research, I came across multiple case studies of data breaches in dating apps. For example, due to an API vulnerability in Bumble, sensitive data of 100 million users was hacked. Grindr acknowledged that it had shared users' HIV status with third-party companies. Another popular incident was the public disclosure of 70,000 profiles on OkCupid, which, to my
1: surprise, are still publicly available. Yikes, that is shocking. Aren't there any privacy policies that companies are meant to follow to avoid such incidents? Well, according to a study published in 2020, and
0: I'm quoting this verbatim, in the United States, there is no uniform comprehensive law that dictates how all companies, including dating websites and apps, may collect, process, share, and store the personal information of users. Instead, it has a mix of laws that go by acronyms like ECPA, FCC, etc., A New York Times article mentions that unless a state has its own data privacy law, like California, Virginia, and Colorado, companies are pretty much free to do what they want with the data. Contrastingly, Europe's comprehensive privacy law, GDPR, which is General Data Protection Regulation, requires companies to ask for some permissions to share data and gives individuals rights to access, delete, or control the use of that data as compared to the United States.
2: So... From a socio-technical perspective, what kind of privacy regulations, especially regarding dating apps, should be in place to ensure that the user has more control?
0: Many leading experts in the field of data privacy and protection have outlined the necessity of a nationally standardized privacy legislation, which would encompass rights related to seeing what kind of data has been collected by a company from the user and to delete it if they wish to do so. To prohibit companies from selling their data to third-party users, to minimize user data collection in general, and prescribe the discrimination of users based on the user exercising their privacy rights, like, for example, charging money to protect their privacy.
1: Right. It certainly seems like there needs to be more transparency in the interaction between companies and users.
0: Yes, and this actually brings an interesting concept to mind. The idea of deliberative democracy described in Iris Marion Young's work precisely captures this notion. Ideally, this involves discussions, conversations, and participation to implement social justice in a decision-making process. Due to the inequities already existing in the current power dynamics between the company and the user in relation to data, there needs to be a baseline of guaranteed rights to even attempt to restructure what we're dealing with now. There is hope that this would be done by the nationally standardized privacy legislation.
1: Let's talk more about the power dynamics involved between the company and the users. How do you think this is related to the notion of privacy? Well, I think this comes from a
0: hegemonic angle to the aspect. Hegemony essentially are the processes by which dominant groups continue to stay in power. What is interesting here is that this is not by force or coercion, but actually by some form of consent. Companies making dating apps don't force you to download them. You are doing so by your own accord. However, this is not exactly informed consent as the user does not truly know or understand what they're signing up for. By building black boxes and a sort of an opacity around communication regarding privacy policies, the company, which is the dominant entity due to its access to data, continues to be in power.
2: So this power is coming from access to data, which itself is being collected from the user without their complete and informed consent. Isn't it like normalizing surveillance at this point?
0: I agree. It is like living in societies of control as explained by Deleuze. There's a false sense of freedom, which is instilled by controlling bodies when it comes to privacy. This is because when we're using apps, and dating apps in particular, we're doing it voluntarily, as I said, no force or coercion. If we compare this with the centralized surveillance panopticon as introduced by Foucault, it is vastly different, as there are diffused points of surveillance now everything is tracked and coded and interpreted into patterns that are considered either acceptable or unacceptable. While we know that we are being tracked, we are encouraged to think that it is normal to do so, that there is nothing to worry about. This means that the bodies in power, which are essentially the companies here, want us to either accept it as an inevitable reality, like when most companies ask you to expect, accept those verbose terms and conditions just to use the app, or just not think about it. It is hegemonic, like I said, if we think about it, because aren't we then expected to just accept the norm set by the bodies in power without even questioning it? And For a moment, let's even consider the awareness, the increasing awareness about being surveilled. The power is further actually secured and bolstered by our paranoia that any or all of our actions on the Internet are under watch. So it makes sense that the society in control, the companies, want to maintain this illusion of freedom.
1: Wow, I truly appreciate the comparisons here on the theories. So as awareness about privacy among users seems to be growing... And there has been increasing pressure on dating app companies to enforce privacy best practices on their platforms. Has there Have there been any concrete changes recently? As a matter of fact, yes. Based on the report
0: by Tatiana Shishkova, a senior malware analyst at Kaspersky, written in 2021, there have been changes in online dating app security in just a four-year period from 2017 to 2021. The report focuses on nine popular dating apps, which are Tinder, OkCupid, Badoo, Bumble, Mamba, Pure, Field, Happn, and Her. So, good news first, all nine apps have started using encryption. All of them also have protection against certificate spoofing and man-in-the-middle attacks. Some also display a message if the connection is insecure, Seven out of nine apps do not send passwords in clear text anymore. And this is good because many users don't change their default passwords and are hence more prone to having their accounts hacked if the passwords are sent in clear text by the app. As far as photos go, unfortunately, only one of the app allows you to create an account without a photo. One also offers a photo blurring feature, so you can choose who can view your photos. Others provide this feature, but at a fee. Most of the apps allow you to sign into the app using other social media profiles. Many of them automatically pull photos from your social media app into your dating app. This increases the probability of linking your dating app account to your social media presence and could lead to data leakage, cyber stalking, phishing, and sextortion scams. Last but not the least, Four out of nine apps still require mandatory geolocation access. Additional security can be added to your location services, but only at a cost.
1: Well, it's great to hear that there is progress on the security and privacy front when it comes to dating apps. Um, Is there anything users can do to protect their privacy when they're using the apps? Well, there are many suggestions presented to the users. Don't
0: share too much personal information, your last name, employer, photos with friends, political views, etc. Don't reuse passwords across platforms and enable two-factor authentication. Avoid linking your social media accounts to the app while signing up, even if it seems convenient in the moment. Block and report the profiles of harassers that you may encounter. Only ever access your dating app on a secure Wi-Fi network. Additionally, use a trustworthy VPN to block dating app trackers and trilateration attacks. Enter your location manually wherever possible and disable the geolocation feature if that's an option. Delete or hide your profile if you've stopped using the app. Well, with everything we have gone over in this podcast, it seems like there are different aspects to dating apps and mostly a lot of room for improvement. The hope is that eventually we have apps that address most of these concerns. So do we have any final thoughts for our series?
1: Well, I guess my takeaway right now is that dating apps do have a lot to offer, but there are a lot of challenges that come along with engaging in romance through a screen, not the least of which are how the algorithms are really shaping our behavior. I guess I'm left feeling a little uncertain. Uh, Yeah, this is Sam here. So coming from someone who found my partner before heterosexual dating apps were even created, I have learned so much creating this podcast. Um, Hopefully these apps will help others find whatever they're looking for, but I'm also strongly encouraging these apps to protect and respect their users.
2: All I have to say is it is hard out here, y'all. If you have the option to date through mutual connections, please do it's going to be safer. Clearly, it's just better overall. But if you're like me, and you're relegated to the world of dating apps, please just be safe.
0: We'll be linking all the sources used for our research in the description box below for your reference. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed our podcast.